Principal Matters Podcast, episode 203. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about cultivating play in your leadership with my special guest, Dr. Jeff Springer. Jeff Springer is an educator of 34 years and the founder of Spring Strategies, LLC, and the goal team, getting others to achieve higher levels, which he created for helping high school students and young adults to maximize their personal leadership potential. He is a former Texas high school head football coach, an 11-year veteran of the classroom, and also the former principal of Magnolia High School in Magnolia, Texas. In 2013, he was selected as the state of Texas TASSP State Principal of the Year. He resides in Montgomery, Texas with his wife of 38 years, and they have two grandchildren, or two children and two grandchildren. Jeff Springer, welcome to Principal Matters. Feel free to fill in the gaps on that intro. And if you have anything else that you would like listeners to know about you, why don't you let us know? Well, well, Will, uh, let me just tell you, it's an honor to be on this. I've been listening to you for a while. So appreciative of the work that you do. And again, you know, honored to be here this morning with you. I guess the, the only other thing that I, and, and you did a beautiful job. I don't know what else, I need to take you on the road and let you introduce me, you know, at other events. But I am also part-time men, minister of men at Wildwood United Methodist Church, which is in our, uh, our area where we live. And I've been on that staff since 2006. So I was, you know, bivocational, even as a high school principal, I worked part-time of uh, both a local pastor and a minister of men at, at Wildwood. So that's that's kind of my other my other passion. It kind of overlaps with the educational world, which kind of gives me some balance. Well, so, and another passion you have is being a granddad because not only do you live in Texas, but we're actually doing this recording from, well, of course, my place in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area. And you're in Arkansas right now being granddad. So uh, getting to be introduced to the Northwest, beautiful part of that state. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, I've driven through Arkansas many times, but typically more Eastern through Little Rock and then through Tennessee. And then my son used to live in in Illinois and so forth. So I would kind of bypass this part. This is a new journey or new horizons for me. And it is beautiful. And so it's great to be here. I was able to spend you know, be here for Father's Day. You know, I had to thank my son-in-law for sharing his day with me with and his two precious girls. And uh, yeah, we're just proud. We're so blessed to be here. Well, Jeff, you and I have been interacting for a long time because when I looked back at my notes from our conversations years ago, and in 2012, I was recognized as Oklahoma's Assistant Principal of the Year. And in 2013, you were recognized as the Texas State Principal of the Year for TASSP. And we started corresponding all the way back then when you were still at Magnolia High School. And so you have been an active, engaged leader, dad, coach, and pastor. So much of the work that you do centers around positive relationships. And that's one of the reasons I'm so glad we're circling back to have this conversation because I would just love for Principal Matters listeners to get a sense of the work that you do, especially work that's connected to what you call play, P-L-A-Y, and so I, I, which is going to be the topic of our conversation today together. And I just want you to set the stage for listeners. Why do you use that acronym? What does it mean? 
and and how can this acronym be essential for leaders as they think about the importance of how they connect with their students, their teachers, and their community members. So let me just let you dive right in first to defining what play means. Absolutely. So in 2016, when I was addressing uh, my senior class for the very last time, I was there 14 years as a high school principal, and I always did a kind of a state of the class principal's message at graduation. I love graduation day, but at my final graduation, my beginning of what I call repurposing into the next journey was was I, I announced to the crowd and to the students that that I was going to play more in this next you know this next stage or phase of my life. Play was always kind of a mentality that was you know a culture that we tried to either directly or indirectly you know build at at Magnolia High School to create something that maybe was different when people walked through the door, that they felt something different. Most people that know me know that I love acronyms. They also know that I you know, like to throw a hashtag in front of it and, and then we run with it. So play became really something that I even took into my doctoral work that I began at the young age of 57, which was last semester as as the principal at Magnolia High School, I just finished in, in April, and I even did a dissertation on the perception of play by secondary school leaders and its role in fostering a positive culture. But as far as the acronym goes, it stands for people, love, acknowledge, and yearn. And in essence, if you do those four things, if you are involved, if you are uh, infused, if you have infused yourself in those those elements or those tenets, essentially, it's not the playfulness that a lot of people associate play with or playground or the physical play, but it is the engagement of doing things that give you purpose and direction and adds, add, you know, amplifies your leadership, you know, and so people is, you know, exact, P stands for people, who are your people? You know, your inner circle. As the leader, you know, those that you work with need to feel that they are, you know, one of your people. Even if they're not necessarily in your inner circle, they need to feel valued and appreciated. And everyone needs to feel connected. We all need others in our lives. And typically in life and in the workplace, the greatest accomplishments have been always obtained when a group of people are connected, achieving uh, you know, towards a common goal. So uh, a long time ago, a famous football coach wrote a book called You Win With People. And, you know, it's kind of the forest for the trees thing. It's, you know, we are, as leaders, it's sometimes a lonely job, but we need to surround ourselves with people and and those people that care about our journey. And so so that's a question I ask a lot of, you know, the, my administrative friends and and those that aspire to be leaders in education and business and ministry, who are your people? That which definitely leads into the next one. And they don't necessarily build on each other, but they're again, they're all important elements, I believe, in this play concept. Uh, the second part is the L stands for love. Uh, Michael Fullen, I'm sure you're familiar with Will, uh, wrote the book Change Leader. He wrote the book, What Effective Principles Do, All Effective Principles Do, What All Effective Teachers Do. He talks about impressive empathy. I love that, those two words put together. You know, the impressive empathy should be evident in the leader's relationships. You know, how you communicate that you care about your people, that you give people the opportunity to grow, 
And if you care about them, you do, you provide those for those opportunities, those platforms, even providing specific plans to grow through their deficiencies, you know, that every individual should be able to establish their own plan of action uh, with, and get coaching and are valued uh, by the other team members. So, and also, how do you love, how do you convey that? How do you communicate that? How do people that your people that, you, that work with you know that you care about them? You know, how do you convey that on a daily basis? Uh, the next one, A stands for acknowledge it. it this one on the surface is probably, probably doesn't seem to be as important as the first two, but to me, I think it's foundational. This is one that may be the most misunderstood and really neglected, but it sets, as I said, the foundation for our leadership to flourish. It's ongoing. Acknowledgement, to me, parallels humility. And a lot of times, there's, we lack humility in our leadership. You know, it's easy to acknowledge the obvious, you know, the successes, but, you know, look at even the current events of today on uh, so many things that we need to acknowledge. You know, great leaders find ways to acknowledge success in our in our people and others, but at the same time show transparency in our own shortcomings. It kind of an attitude that I'm going to borrow from a conference that I attended that says it starts with the idea or the, the statement as a leader that says, as far as I'm concerned, I'm the problem. And, and so we don't always have to be right, but that transparency makes us real. We acknowledge not only success, but those, those areas that were deficient. So we can make a plan of action uh, and transform our cultures. You know, transformative cultures thrive on acknowledgement of their most important resources. And uh, again, that goes back to people and love because our resources are each other. And then finally, this one makes me smile. I can't say the word with that smiling. Y stands for yearn. Fullen also talks about the term positive deviance. Should be, he says positive deviance should be an aspect of the leader's ability to see things differently. What is it that as a leader that gets you out of bed in the morning that is your passion, that drives you? You know, throughout the process of leadership, everyone must have opportunities to express their their, you know, their concerns and should receive support in their goal areas. You know, all of us have job descriptions and some of those job descriptions, those responsibilities are, or are what I call non-negotiables. You know, as an assistant principal, obviously we dealt with a certain amount of discipline. Those are non-negotiables, but, but I used to challenge my assistant principals and my counselors in their roles to create something within their job description that gave them purpose, that maybe was a little bit more work on their part. But what was what would, again, enhance uh, their daily job that would make their work essentially play? You know, what is it that they want to infuse to make the job different, to do it differently than anybody else does? Uh, what is it that they yearn for? So mm-hmm. people love, acknowledge, yearn. You do those, essentially you play. And if you play, you're going to be engaged. And we all know what happens when we have a group of people that are engaged in their work. Wow, Jeff, those are so powerful. And Principal Matters listeners, I I just, if you're like me, you're, I'm sure you're taking mental notes, but just to, to summarize those four areas, 
you know, people are those relationships that matter more than anything because that's the work that we do. We're not there to implement policy, although policy is important. We're not there to just administer, which is what administrators do, but we're there because of people, that's students, that's teachers, that's community members. And then of course, what's the fuel for that? And that's the love, the relationships that we build with others, that that connection that we have that helps us, um, that impressive empathy. I love that word, those words that you use for Michael Fullen. And then acknowledge Boy, there's so much in there, Jeff. You know, celebration, giving other people the credit that that they're due, and making sure that you're that you're transparent and accountable. And then, of course, man, what a what a great way to think about perspective in that term yearn. So, what's the perspective that you come to in your work so that you come with a purpose, something that's greater than simply putting out a fire or simply just doing a good job, but something that drives you. So that you're, that passion that drives you to to see beyond just the moment into the deeper things that are happening. And so, Jeff, you know, I'm a we're both still teachers all the time in in the work that we do. So I want to move from concepts to application. So let's talk for a few minutes about when you think about that acronym play in the work that you've done with students or teachers or community members. Apply that a little bit. Unpack how that acronym may help a leader who's stepping into his or her own community and working with either their students or teachers or their community at large. Yeah, well, you know, I don't care how old we are or who we are or what we do. You know, we all yearn for a sense of belongingness. So, you know, whether you're the principal or a teacher or community member, I think it's important, it's essential that we create that opportunity for people to feel like they belong, that you create a culture that's different than what is outside the doors. You know, I I did, you know, I was, I alluded to this dissertation that I did and I entered, what I did is I interviewed 12 different secondary principals uh, in the greater uh, Houston area, three different districts, three different size districts, a very small district, a middle-sized district, and a large district, both assistant principal and principals. I did. I used what, it was a phenomenological study, so it interviewed, I didn't use what I call or what is called a three-part interview process, and so I interviewed uh, 12 principals three different times, so 36 face-to-face, about one-hour interviews about their perception and their uh, experience with different aspects of play. Many of them may not actually call what they do play, but as we talk through it, they they could see the play in what you know in their leadership styles. My assumption was in secondary school that that we don't there's not intentional play a lot of times. There might be indirect play, but not always intentional play. I also assume that because of high risk testing and all the job responsibilities placed on us, that maybe that was the barrier, the primary barrier of play in secondary schools. Because the gap in research was secondary. And literally, it, as you do the research, you see less and less information about play, even in lower elementary, which is sad. It's almost like there's an absence of play from the sandbox to the time that maybe they graduate from higher ed and get a job at a place like Google or Apple or someplace like that. And in between, there's this absence. And so 
overall. But the bar- the number one barrier was not the responsibilities. This is communicated by the principals. Most of them, it was them. The barrier was their very own leadership style, uh, and it was great that they would admit that as they talked through this. That and you know what's important. Uh, to remember is that play, you know, we deny ourselves a lot of times uh, the, you know, time to play and time to do those things that really, you know, really push us towards and really move us, you know, working in our, what I call our strength areas, you know, like strength finders, you know, strength finders talks about how you know, over 70% of most employees are working in positions where they're disengaged because they're not operating within their strength areas. So part of play is finding ways to use your strength. And also it's a job of a leader is to plug those people in so they can shine and uh, really grow. And we all know if we have engaged, what happens when you have engaged teachers or engaged students you know, you're going to flourish and the culture will be a positive one. And so all of that, you know, play, the definition of play sometimes can be very ambiguous. It can be, it can change from one person to the next. But I tell people that I never really uh, went to work a day in my life, you know, because my work was play. The problem with some cultures uh, and some leaders that uh, is that play for them may, maybe work. And if we don't uh, work at play, then sooner or later, the culture or the individual is going to become disenchanted and not productive and turn turn away. Mm. Well, that's great feedback, Jeff. And I've not thought about that before in terms of research on play, how there, that gap that exists in the secondary world. And so that's fantastic feedback on your dissertation. And I think something that was going through my mind as you were saying that for leaders is giving themselves permission to love their work, giving themselves permission to find the things that, that charge their own batteries emotionally, and then connecting that to the work that they're doing as school leaders. I would love to stay there for just a moment and ask for, um, if you can think of a particular incident or experience in your own school leadership at Magnolia, and this could just be one one incident, or this could be a, a, a series of things. But just what's an example of how Jeff Springer was able to connect your own passions in a way that made you find so much joy in leadership at Magnolia? We talked at Magnolia High School not about just excellence. We talked about how we we're going to move from excellence to eminence, because I believe that even by accident. Every once in a while, you can do something excellent. But to me, eminence is is when excellence becomes the standard and you repeat it over and over and over. So we began to look at all the pockets in our building where we felt like we had reached that level of excellence. So we could, but we wanted everything to be excellent and we not just one time, but all time. And so that's when we would move to that level from excellence, we would hashtag excellence to eminence. Now, how do we get there? There's only one way to get there. Every single kid in the building had to believe three things. They had to believe that they were valuable. They had to believe that they were complete. And they had to believe or, and know that they were loved. They heard those three words every single day on the announcement. 
I would say that today, ladies and gentlemen, it is a great day to be alive at the Magnolia High School where every single student is valuable, you are complete, and you were loved. And we would hashtag VCL. If you follow me on Facebook and I have a lot of former students, they're going to hashtag VCL. We talked about, you know, and it became a T-shirt. It became everything we did. We felt like in order, it's kind of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If we don't take care of the kids, you know, emotional, social, physical, you know, then all that other stuff, all that great academia that we have, it's not going to... People did not like this sometimes when I said this, but sometimes we had to put academics on the back burner. We had to push the desk back and the kids need to know, you know, how much we care before they know how much we know, you know, so, uh, so valuable, complete and love. And so that was a way to really bridge. They do. I believe that every single kid heard that. I don't know. But we, that was what we, you know, strive for every single day. The very first thing I did when I came to Magnolia High School, and I'm going to tell you, it took a long time to move the barge. I was a career principal. I had no aspirations to be uh, a superintendent. Anything that took me away from kids, I just might as well get in a car and drive, you know, an hour and a half commute and do a business, you know, work in the real world, so to speak. So I wanted to be in a large high school, and I did. We we were up to 2,800 students before we split. The very first thing I did symbolically is I used Covey's Universal Principles, and the very first thing, as soon as you walk in the door, we had these huge signs that said, you know, honesty, integrity, human dignity, service. Those are the universal time-tested principles, and our vision was that, you know, everyone who would walk through the door would would know that we were principle-centered, not P-L-E, but, you know, I mean, not P-A-L, but P-L-E, principle-centered, and know, that, you know, that in, that all would become one, and we talked about one what, and we talked about being a family. So all those things together, you know, you don't do any of those things overnight. Like I said, it took a long time for us to move the barge. Honestly, we reaped the benefits the last you know, probably six, seven years of the work that we did the first six or seven years. So, well, and that's one of the beautiful parts of being in a school as a long term administrator. And you and I have both seen the data, Jeff, that with principal turnover, schools don't grow as well. And so the fact that you were able to be in a place long enough to invest in the growth of your teachers and your community and your students meant that you got to actually be a part of building a community, you know, building a school community, which is often something that I don't think we understand, like the the long-term benefits and legacy that you can leave in that kind of situation. But I also love it that the foundation of the work that you did with your school, and when you're leading 2,800 kids, you have an enormous responsibility with lots of leadership under you, lots of teachers under you, lots of students that are looking to you to set the tone and the direction for your school, which if the tone and direction isn't set well, uh, it can easily be derailed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to, while, I, while we're in this conversation about the importance of building that kind of culture that you've built through that philosophy of play, I want to just ask you, because I can't ignore current events. You know, we're, we're working in a time right now where principals are looking at the possibility of reentry during a global pandemic. They're looking at what's going on nationally with cries over um, inequities and racism and school leaders trying to make sure that they're that they're answering those concerns while at the same time building unity and moving forward. And so I just wanted to sit there for a minute with you too, Jeff, as you think about the importance of 
the kinds of culture that you're reminded of are so essential in your own leadership and in the leaders that you've that you've researched and you've visited thoughts or ideas that you would have for leaders as they're thinking about stepping into a year that may be even more unpredictable than the one we've just had. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite quotes uh, by Stuart Brown, when it comes to play, he said, where there is peril, there is no play. So even in the midst of storms, (laughs) as leaders, we must find time uh, to play somehow to provide opportunities for play, not playfulness, but opportunities, constantly working towards opportunities for that connecting, for opportunity for imagining, for for problem solving, for, you know, collaborating, for innovating. Behind food and shelter, play is the third most essential biological need we have, again, but sometimes most neglected. And when the storm comes, that oftentimes is the first thing to go. And so the measure of leadership is how, you know, how are we going to weather? What are the words that we choose? And what are the actions that we take? And, you know, I just, I was fortunate a couple weeks ago to facilitate and initiate a Zoom call with a very diverse panel in hopes that someone watching later, even just one person, might have a dilemma or a crisis in their prior premises that would cause them to give new meaning and to look at something different possibly be transformed. So we called it a venue for transformation. And I called it underneath kind of a subtitle of simply learning and loving opportunity. And so that's what we're going to have to do as leaders. First of all, uh, God bless those leaders that are in the trenches. And and I just have to be honest, I'm, I'm really thankful that I'm, you know, not a principal right now because uh, I probably would have gotten my district in trouble this past, you know, couple of months because I would have been, I would have been trying to find out, figure out ways to see my kids, my students. I love, you know, especially those seniors that, that, you know, will never have that time back. And even though they got to experience, you know, some of them got to still experience a graduation, they miss those days that you can't recreate. But as we go into this new year, this unknown, we have a lot of opportunities to really do some things that maybe we should have been doing all of all along to really reevaluate uh, instead of bemoaning what we don't have, maybe the opportunities that lie ahead, this new normal that gives us a new opportunity to, to make change both in in procedures and policies and systems, but really to be able to extend, you know, our relationship capacity. And so it's a, it's going to be, it's a huge challenge, but it's also a really an opportunity to do again, some things that maybe we should have been doing all along that we maybe, if it was not for a pandemic uh, in this time of quarantine, that we wouldn't, we wouldn't pause and reflect upon those things that, that really do need to be examined and re wow. 
Wow, Jeff. And I just want to sit there for just a moment because I need to reflect out loud with other leaders too. But one of the, I had had a conversation a couple of weeks ago in a conference that we were hosting at the work that we did in Oklahoma with Dr. Barb Sorrells, and she's a um, specialist in, in student trauma. And something that she said in that meeting reminds me so much of what you're saying, which she said, you know, Will, we really need to focus on making sure before we even start talking about academics when our kids return to school that we've really focused on their social emotional needs first before we start jumping back into reteaching and, and trying to close the gaps because you can't do one without the other. And, and that's so essential to what you're saying. Prior to these closures, you know, you could not simply attain academic growth absent from those other elements of school that go hand in hand with that. Because all of us know that the reasons that kids want to learn is because they've built meaningful relationships with their instructors and they've had relationships of trust so that they're willing to grow and be facilitated and guided by an instructor. And two, that they love schools where they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. That's why their teams matter. That's why their activities matter. It doesn't matter if it's band or theater or computer coding or football. If they have an area where they feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, that gives them that motivation for engagement, which leads them into opportunities to learn and grow academically. And so it all goes hand in hand. And I just, I just want to remind leaders as you're thinking about all of these possibilities, you know, because I'm talking to leaders all the time that are looking at two or three different options as they start school, make sure all of those options are not absent from engagement. So whatever that means, however that looks, whatever that is required to make sure kids still feel like they're a part of the community, I, I think that's got to be essential, Jeff. So thank you so much. Other thoughts on that before we transition? Again, just to echo, we may never and maybe hopefully never want to gun this way again. But the question is, how can we be better? You know, I keep asking my men in ministry as we go through this and we come out of this, whatever that out of this is or when that is, how will we be better? And we don't want to look back at this time and not to have taken advantage of this, you know, global pause that we have to restart and and say, oh my gosh, I wish, I wish I would have taken advantage of that time mm -hmm. uh, to process and refocus and, and redo whatever it is that we need to do better to uh, achieve that engagement that you're talking about. Mm. Well, Jeff, so many thoughts going through my head right now, um, including the idea that if you think in terms of the national or global experience that people are having, you and I never in our lifetimes have had an experience where suddenly sports are no longer available, mm -hmm. suddenly activities are no longer available. And in other words, globally removing the ability to play. It's so this tough dynamic of whatever we do moving forward, we've got to, we've got to maintain a commitment to those relationships, that engagement, which is why you and I both know that schools can never work completely if it's only by distance. And so, you know, that's why we're yearning, obviously, for that reconnection at some point, a safe reconnection, but also whether that means that we have interruptions or whether that means we're back in traditionally or the, or kids, some kids are online, whatever that is, it has to involve that same culture and and love and engagement, all of those, all of those aspects of play that you're describing cannot be absent just because we're in a pandemic or just because we're leading differently than, than we were required to before. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, brother, let me give you an opportunity to wrap up today's conversation. If you had a parting word of advice or a piece of content that you'd like to recommend to other leaders, I'd love you for you to, to be able to end with, with those words. And also, how can leaders stay connected with you, Jeff? Because you do great work and you are also, now that you're in this part of your career, you're also coaching and consulting with, with school principals. So give us your parting words of, of advice and then let us know how we can stay connected with you. Yeah, I wanted to share a, a couple books or resources. In my dissertation, I used two primary authors, researchers for my conceptual framework. And there's a book called Shine, S-H-I-N-E by Hollowell. And uh, using brain science to get the best from your people, is, I highly recommend. And then uh, he talks about the cycle of excellence and uh, play is at the heart of that. And then Iberly is wrote an article in American Journal of Play uh, in 2014 called The Elements of Play. And it talks about creating anticipation. What is it that we do that creates that excitement on a regular basis? That the element of surprise and understanding and poise and those kind of things. So Hollowell and Iberly are two uh, authors that I would highly recommend. In, the, in my parting words of advice for school leaders is, is, as I said before, don't underestimate the power of the principalship. I reflected this morning on that question as I was pondering and thinking about my experience. And I, I would often wonder as I stood in the middle of the cafeteria at lunches surrounded by 800 high school students eating, you know, if I was really making a difference. Like, you know, I would just say, Jeff, what are you what are you doing? Are you, you know, would they even know if I was not here? That kind of, you know, some, but I want you, I want to remind you that the principalship and school leadership is a, is a calling and uh, you are a lifesaver. You set the tone, but we must play and people love, acknowledge and yearn. And so uh, I would love to stay in contact with any of the listeners that are out there today. And you can contact me. I have a Twitter account. It's at Cultivating Play, all one word, at Cultivating Play. The website is cultivatingplay.org. My email is jeff at cultivatingplay.org. And we have a Facebook page as well. And my consulting LLC is called Spring Strategies LLC, and that is the Facebook page. So those are multiple ways to communicate with me, and I would love to partner with any of the listeners that are out there uh, making uh, differences in the lives of the people that they lead on a daily basis. Well, Dr. Jeff Springer, thank you so much for doing what matters, and thank you for the years that you have invested in education and leadership and even in this part of your career now where you are giving back to leaders by guiding them, coaching them, uh, you wear so many hats right now as a, as a consultant and in ministry, as a granddad and a father. Uh, Principal Matters listeners, let me encourage you to reach back to Jeff, to look at his resources, um, to reach out to him if you uh, are in the Houston area or anywhere really, because we can meet virtually now with anyone in the world because uh, Jeff's work is ongoing and he's consistently connecting and, and working with school leaders. And Jeff, it's been such a privilege to have you on this show. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Will.
Yeah, this was a pleasure. It was rich, very rich. You gave me a lot to think about. Even, even as a dad, I've been thinking about, you know, the areas of my responsibilities with my kids. And, and COVID has made it in some ways harder to be connected with my children, which is really weird because prior to COVID, we had less time together, mm. but it seemed like we had more meaningful time together because it was purposeful. Like if I had an afternoon free, I was going to call one of my kids and we go do something together. Mm. Or, you know, we built, we, we had these built-in times where we wow. were connecting. And what I've noticed now that we're together all the time is we've had fewer and fewer of those scheduled times together and more and more like people just kind of doing their own things. I was realizing as we we're talking how much, how absent we've been from playing. And, um, you know, even though summer should be that time, um, we're not doing a lot of that together. So I'm going on vacation uh, at the end of this week. We'll be, we're going to leave town and uh, drive west and spend a week in Utah, just national parks and just trying to be social distance. But I'm just, thanks for those reminders because I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to just play together and build those memories and reconnect around some of those things. That third element, because you're right, food, shelter, play. And I've been thinking, man, this, you know, COVID's given us a lot of opportunity to make sure we've got plenty of food and shelter. But man, if we're ignoring play, there's like a piece of us missing. Yeah, I used to, I used to tell people that when I coached, you know, everybody, everybody gives uh, lip service on the three parts of uh, football is the offense, defense, and kicking game. And they say kicking game is a third, third of the game, but yet we give it like 20 minutes of practice if that much, or one day a week where we focus on it. But that's not so, but really, and it can make or break the outcome of a game, uh-huh. yet we we speak it, but we don't do it. And it's the same, it's the same thing with a play. And what's going to be the first thing that gets pushed out with urgency or, uh, you know, um, things get a little rough, a little tough. You know, I love, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're old enough to maybe to watch, remember the old MASH uh, TV series, you know, in, even in that environment, those uh, surgeons could find ways to lighten it, you know, right. and to make it again bearable. Yeah, you know? some of my some of my favorite memories um, from even school leadership, and some of the most intense, horrible moments I've gone through were, you know, part of the strength I found during those times was finding other people I could laugh with, and play with, and cut up, and just be able to just like find humor in the ridiculousness of things that were going on. I don't know how you survive if you don't, if you don't have that. And so um, thanks. Those reminders just make me want to make sure I'm cultivating that. Well, you know, the longer you go, you know, the longer you do something, you better surround yourself with, you know, the people that care about your, your journey. And, you know, the biggest obstacle I have in conversations with play is that it, again, there's organizational play, there's serious play, play leads to creativity, innovation, all that. That's, it's not just the play box, it's not, you know, or play room, uh, although that's important, yeah. but um, I don't have time to play. Well, you, you know, that's what, you know, the American work ethic is there's a time for work and time for play. I've even had some people just shoot, you know, poo-poo completely, you know, and, and quite frankly, those are not uh, environments that are conducive in the right. long run. You can push the pedal to the metal and, the, you know, Covey talked about the golden goose that lays the golden eggs. You know, you can do that for a short term, but if you, long term, you, you're going to kill people. You're going to yeah. burn people. And people yeah. are, gonna, you know, and if you're a short termer, if you're a two to three year person, you, you can do that. But 14 years, you better cultivate some other aspects and then remind people, to me, 
the parallel is your are, what you're doing meaningful and are you are you utilizing your god-given talents and abilities and that's where people get off and you know when you, I, there was a question you asked i can't i'm trying to remember where we were alluding to we lose that joy you know, it's like that new teacher that gets started and think they're going to change the world. And then they realize, you know, that they either get beaten down by the, by the realities or beaten down by the teachers, you know, that have, you know, been there, done that and are doing the same thing in year 20 that they did, whatever. So they don't never change. And so then that new teacher gets kind of falls into that mold. And before you know it, they forget why they became a teacher to begin with or why they became an administrator to begin with. And yeah, man, this is a, it's too hard of a, you know, that it's assistant yeah. principal. Oh my gosh. You can't, this, you can't do this job long-term if you don't find some, some joy and some balance. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, um, that's where I try to remind principals that sometimes those parts of your work that you in some ways resent because it requires secondary, especially you're required to be at so many events, so many activities, so much, so much night work. And you can easily start resenting like, man, other people don't work like these kinds of hours, but there's something that happens when you shift those into the way you would say it into play. When you look at those as the opportunities to connect and have fun and engage and, and find joy and, and, and kind of just like, revel in the in like the experiences that you're seeing students having i think it transforms your work and i tell that story often about the the year my my oldest daughter had her senior prom at my school you know i had gone to prom for years and years as the principal it's a little different when you go as the dad and seeing that seeing that perspective from her eyes began to change the way i did prom because Mm -hmm. suddenly i'm seeing this from the perspective of my own child and, I, and suddenly I'm seeing it from the perspective of a dad. And now I'm seeing all of these kids from the perspective of my child and my, and my own fatherhood. And so, man, it just, it, it enlarges your heart, I think, too. Um, yeah. In the way that you respond to your kids. Well, Jeff, thank you so much you for you all your conversation, my friend. You bet. Thank you for the opportunity, Will. God bless you. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com. 